This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy, everybody. Happy Thursday, 28th day of September 2023. It is indeed once again, that's right, you guessed it, the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Taking it right up until 9 o'clock. Then we'll hand things off to our pals Gordon and Larry, Larry and Gordon, at 800-919-3776. At Dan Grosser is where you can get me on Twitter, we've got Harvey, we've got Joe, the dynamic duo, producing the program this evening. Jordan Renan will join us coming up at 8 o'clock in his weekly spot. I know we had him on, what, we had him on Thursday last week, even though it's his weekly spot, right? Everything got mixed up there with the cell phone reception, so Jordan's still going to join us tonight. Talk a little Giant football. I know the Giants have seemed kind of out of it because they played a week ago, and they've had a few days off in between, but now they're gearing up, of course, for... No other way to put it, a pretty big game on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks, which is one that, look, you might not feel it now, but if the Giants are going to really do something with this season, this is a game that down the road could mean massive implications as far as a wild card and tiebreakers and that type of thing is concerned. So Giants need this one. Giants got to bounce back. Giants got to show you they you know, have some signs of life especially on the defensive side of the football. So we'll talk to Jordan a little bit later on and get the state of affairs of uh, Brian Dayball's football team and how things stack up for them. We'll do a little baseball, too, a little bit later on in the program. And really the, the theme to hit home with the baseball is that even though you had lost seasons for both the Mets and the Yankees and it's going to result in them not being in the postseason, you still had a couple of guys who put forward pretty, pretty special campaigns, Right. And, of course, it starts with Garrett Cole and what he did for the Yankees and how he's going to win himself a Cy Young Award when they announce the results of the vote in, uh, I guess that's, what, in early November sometime or another. Cole is going to be the runaway winner for the Cy Young Award. Might even win it unanimously, to be quite honest. So we'll see about that. And certainly he deserves it. And to put a capper on it, what he did last night with a complete game two-hit gem against the Toronto Blue Jays, continuing his mastery over this Toronto baseball team here in 2023. So that was certainly good to see. And then on the Mets side of things, you know, Francisco Lindor, who it's no secret, you know, I've been critical and I've been hard on Lindor since he's come over to the Mets, right? And because when you're getting paid what he's getting paid, you expect to see this guy produce like one of the top 10 players in baseball. Right. And I mean, he hasn't necessarily lived up to that entirely. Now, it's not always necessarily a fault of his own, but, you know, you would just want to see a little bit more in the production department. Well, last night, as we get ready to make it down the home stretch of this season, he went out there and slugged a couple of home runs and he put himself in the conversation of not just having a 30-30 season, which he ends up doing, but if you compare his numbers across the board to some of the other guys that play the shortstop position in the major leagues, like he's right up there among the top two, three, right? Now, again, maybe it doesn't add up to $360 million or whatever the hell he's getting paid, but point being is that for his position, you know, he's been really, really good. And there's a lot of other things that, of course, ailed the Mets and plagued them this season, apart from just Lindor. But overall, I think that he had himself a really, really good year, and it's one that you could look back on and say, all right, he did his job. Now what, every, what about everybody else? And what are they going to do with the front office during the offseason and try to improve this ball club and fill some of the holes that they have? Certainly the starting rotation needs some tending to more than anything else. And the guy who started that game last night in Kodai Senga, finishing off his rookie season where 
he eclipsed the 200 strikeout plateau. I mean, that's pretty special. You know, when you think about the only rookie in Mets history who struck out more hitters than he did was a guy by the name of Dr. K, right? And he got a nickname to show for it. And, you know, Dwight Gooden was 19 years old when he did this, which was pretty freaking incredible, as we know. And Senga's a little bit older, but the fact that he was able to adjust and get acclimated to life in the big leagues and to go out there and, you know, become a pretty reliable and pretty consistent starter for them, I think that speaks volumes. So we'll get into it a little bit more later on in the program, but that's the takeaway is that team-wise, Mets and Yankees had disastrous seasons, but there were some individual superlatives that deserve to be recognized, and we'll touch on a few of those, and then we'll also dive into where things stand as far as those last remaining playoff races go in Major League Baseball, which is, let's see, one, two, three, four more days left in the regular season, and you got a couple of them coming down to the wire. The big series of the weekend, certainly Texas and Seattle. They start a four-game set tonight out at uh, T-Mobile Park in the great Northwest. That is a big, big series. Seattle got punked last night by the Houston Astros. And I say punked because if you saw the Hector Neris, uh, Julio Rodriguez exchange uh, at home plate, which led to a uh, benches-clearing incident, uh, I, I still don't understand what was said, how that all went down. But nevertheless, Seattle's got to collect themselves here and worry about stringing together a couple of good days of baseball because the Mariners have not been able to have an answer for the Texas Rangers all season long. Texas has won 8-9 and nine against Seattle, and the next four days is going to determine their fate as to who goes to the playoffs and who potentially goes home. So some fun stuff going on. Plus, we got week four in the National Football League. That is kicking off this evening. You got a big NFC North showdown at Lambeau Field between the 2-1 and one Detroit Lions and the 2-1 and one Green Bay Packers. And look... I know stranger things have happened here, but I, I, I think it probably you don't have to go too far out on that limb to suggest that, you know, this game tonight down the road could be, you know, a big, big factor as to who wins the division and who doesn't with tiebreakers. Right. Because look at the NFC North and how things stand right now. You got two teams that are two and one and the other two teams don't even have a win yet. They're a combined 0 and six in Minnesota and Chicago. And we know that those teams are probably going nowhere fast. And Minnesota might even part ways with their quarterback before you get to that trade deadline right around Halloween. So it's a big one tonight. You know, Lambeau Field, the Pat, think about that. Lambeau Field, Thursday night football, streaming, Wi-Fi, prime video. Oh, there's nothing better, right? It's the way football was meant to be. So we'll have our eyes on that one a little bit later on in the evening. But we got to start with, got to start with, what we've talked about pretty much consistently over the last week. And that'll be, of course, the New York Jets, who continue their preparation for Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Andy Reid, everybody that's going to be a MetLife Stadium on Sunday night, which, of course, will be there and our coverage begins at 6 p.m., but you know that already. This is a big game. They're all big games, and especially when you've played like they have the last two weeks, mostly on the offensive side of the ball where they've really struggled to get any sort of rhythm and any sort of consistency. You need this one, right? Last week would have been a great one to get. Division opponent, winnable game, didn't get it. Lost a tough one. And now you got a team that comes in as the division champs. I'll tell you what, as funny as it may sound, and it's not as important a game because Kansas City is not in the AFC East, as you know, Beating the Chiefs would actually, I think, do more for the confidence 
of certain people maybe in that locker room than it would have done even if they had beaten the New England Patriots. Because, I mean, on the surface, Chiefs are a lot better football team than the Patriots are. They're the defending champs. Patriots aren't. And it's possible. I'm not sitting here telling you it's probable, but it is possible. I mean, look around the National Football League on a week-in, week-out basis. Look at what happened in Arizona last week between the Cowboys and the Cardinals. Cowboys look like world beaters. They look like the Jimmy Johnson dynasty Cowboys with Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin and company, right? That's how they looked the first two games against the Giants and the Jets. They were unstoppable. Then they go into Arizona against as bad a team as you could possibly find, and the Cardinals run around in the building. So any team can be beat when you step out on that field. But I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you a bill of goods because we know that the execution, it's got to be top-notch. It's got to be better. It's got to be better than how it's been the last two weeks. And it all starts with the offense, and it all starts with the quarterback. And today, the offensive coordinator held court in Nathaniel Hackett. The quarterback addressed the media and Zach Wilson. And we know that he's come under fire over the last few days, right? Comes with the territory. You get the big bucks. You play the starring role. You're going to get the criticism when things don't work out the way that you intend them to. That just comes with the job. Whether it's fair, whether it's unfair, comes with the job, especially in this city. And back on Monday, our good buddy Joe Namath went on these airwaves on the Michael K show and basically lit a torch to the entire operation, right? Joe essentially burned the damn thing to the ground. That's his prerogative. He can feel the way he wants to feel. But the Jets have had to kind of clean up that mess over the last few days. So Zach Wilson, of course, was going to be asked that question today. Did Joe Namath's criticism bother you in particular? Here's what Zach had to say. I mean, his criticism was, was pretty harsh. I mean, does, does that bother you at all? Or like an yeah. iconic player? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously Joe was an unbelievable player, but this locker room is very tight-knit, and we're working to get better. I'm working to get better. I know I need to improve, and I promise I'm doing everything I can to keep trying to get better. And so um, the focus is just to rely, uh, rely on each other in this locker room and lean on each other because that's all we got at the end of the day, and we're going to do everything we can to keep improving. That's all you can do, and that's all he can say. I mean, anybody that thought that Zach was going to go up there today and try to fight Joe Namath through the media, I, you're sorely mistaken, you know, because that's a no-win situation. You know, Joe Namath is Jets royalty. Joe Namath is NFL royalty, certainly Jets royalty. You know, you're not going to win that battle, especially for a guy like Zach Wilson who's only been in the NFL for like five minutes, right, and is still forging his career and trying to accomplish some of the things that Joe Namath accomplished in his career. Now, you could, you could feel the one way or the other in particular about Joe, whether he was right, whether he was wrong, whether you take exception to it. That's for you to decide. You know, when your head hits the pillow at night, that's up to you. Right? Joe can say what he wants to say. Joe's not, Joe's not in the media. Joe doesn't work for the Jets. Joe's a fan. Right? He had a pretty cool job back in the day, and he's, he's an icon, but he's a fan. He's a Jets fan just like all you guys that listen to this show right now, that maybe you're on hold or thinking about picking up the phone and calling 800-919-3776 to talk to me about the Jets, right? You guys are the same as Joe. You got opinions. 
And probably you want to see the team win. And you get frustrated when they don't. And when you see the kid and the quarterback maybe struggling a little bit, it, it wears on you, right? It eats away at you. Greg and I hear those calls in the postgame show after disappointing games like the one we just had on Sunday. So Zach was also asked, how do you go about ignoring the outside noise? It's been tough, obviously, these three years, and so I feel like I'm in a good spot mentally with where I am, and I'm confident in my abilities, I'm confident in this team, and all that matters is what goes on in this locker room, in the film room with these coaches, and, um, you know, we're going to handle our business. And that's really like, you, you think it sounds like hyperbole and cliche. That's the God's honest truth. Take it from somebody who's in that locker room on a weekly basis. I was there today, all right? And just talking to certain guys, like, they have the ability to just flip the switch. You as a fan may feel differently. You as a fan might take that loss with you to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and not even get it out of your system until the weekend hits. These guys, they got no choice. If you let a game or a bad play or a bad performance linger, you know what? You look up, and then you got three more L's in the loss column, and your season could be teetering on the brink. You can't do that as a professional. So as disappointing as maybe that game was last Sunday and the struggles that they've had on the offensive side of the ball, to a man, at least the guys that I talked to, you know, and I got a pretty good relationship with a lot of guys in that room. You know, they say, on to the next one. They're worrying about Kansas City. It's like the last game didn't even happen. And they're all confident in the quarterback. You know why? Because it's counterproductive for their chances of getting out of this rut if they're going to sit there and talk badly about him. They're all wearing those T-shirts that say, I got your back. That's the message. Now, look, all that sounds great. You got to go out there and actually prove it, though, on Sunday. Because all the talk and all the positivity and all the let's stand together and kumbaya crap, fantastic. But then when the ball is in the air, when they kick it off, which is probably going to be for a touchback, that's all that matters. You know, when Taylor Swift is up in that box, Looking down on the game, that's your opportunity to prove everybody wrong. You know, people are making their jokes about how, well, you know what? NBC, they should fly Taylor Swift there first class themselves and put her up themselves because, you know what? Nobody's going to be watching this game in the second half. It's going to be a rout. But if Taylor Swift is there, people are going to be tuning in to watch. Every 10 seconds when the camera shows Taylor Swift in the, su in the suite, oh, it's going to be a gold mine for NBC. But the Jets don't want to hear that. Jets are going in there to win a football game. They think they can win a football game. Like I just got done saying, right? Arizona smoked the Cowboys at home this past weekend. Point spread is teetering around double digits. Most people think the Jets don't have a shot. Not to the guys in that locker room. And that's what sports is all about. Now it's time to go prove it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So stay with me for a second here because this thought just kind of popped into my head a little while ago. So Joe Namath is the greatest Jet of all time. And I, and, and I love Joe. Okay? Love Joe. Every time I've had a chance to meet him, we've had him on. Fantastic. He's Joe Namath. He's a legend, right? He walks on water. There's a few of those guys, you know, that have played in the National Football League. He is a mythical figure, all right? Greatest Jet delivered them to glory on their greatest day, and there haven't been too many of them in the history of the franchise, right? January 12, 1969. That day is one of the most important days in the history of the NFL for what that game stood for in Super Bowl III. So then he comes out and he makes those comments on Monday about the current state of affairs, right? Which, by nature, those were, I don't know if they were intended to be hurtful, intended to be divisive, but they certainly weren't positive, right? We, know, we, we can all agree on that. Come up with any word you want to use, but they certainly weren't complimentary and they weren't positive. They weren't helping matters. But what if, and stay with me here, right? What if, what if, somehow, some way? The Jets as a locker room rally around those comments and use those comments as fuel to prove the naysayers wrong. And in this case, the naysayer being the greatest Jet of all time. The guy whose picture is hanging above the door when you walk into the facility, whose number is right there on the wall, right? Name it, 12. What if they rally around those comments? And the guy who was the only one to ever bring them to glory actually, in a backhanded, unintended way, is responsible for rallying this current group, which is a little bit down in their luck right now without Aaron Rodgers. I'm not talking about winning a Super Bowl, guys. All I'm saying is turning around this season from how it's looked the last couple of weeks to where you get to December and you're in the playoff conversation and maybe you're winning some games people don't think you're going to win, starting with Sunday. And then you find out down the road that, you know what, it was those comments that lit a fire underneath them. Then we'd be sitting here saying, Joe, you evil genius. (laughs) 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Let us say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's going to be our leadoff hitter, 9870 SPN. Art, how are you? I'm taking the first pitch, and I'm looking for a walk. So, so, uh, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the offensive line and you said 
let them play together. You know, I want to see them play together. And then Saleh said, I just basically paid my best five. Mm-hmm. But to me, wouldn't it make more sense? You drafted the kid in center, right? You put him to guard. Wouldn't it make more sense to have Beck, Beckton, um, Tucker, your, the center that you drafted, Tomlinson? You don't have anybody as a backup on the right tackle that you have to take somebody out of your out of guard position. And then, you know, the um, the producer said, yeah, but they did a good job. They ran for 40 yards. To me, that's not a good job. Yeah, but already there's might, more to I, it I mean, than just looking at the box score. You know that. No, I understand that. But, I mean, th- to me, that would make more sense. I don't know. Art, I, mean, Art, I don't Art, know how you, know, you Art, would respond to that. Art, you know what it is? If, 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 yeah. you have, if you're not threatening at all to when the quarterback could beat you with his arm, teams are just going to stack the box and dare you to, dare you to throw the football. So they shut down. No, the I got line. you. But, w- but what about offensive line-wise moving so many pieces around rather than putting them in their regular positions? I even think in the beginning of the season they should have put Beckton at the, at, the left, at the left side. I know Brown was a left tackle and he didn't want to go to right tackle, but it was obvious to me that Beckton was the, was the better lineman. So I don't know yeah, but why. The thing, but, Art, the thing is, Dwayne Brown got hurt. You know what I mean? Dwayne, right. Dwayne Brown got hurt for an injury apart from the one that he was rehabbing over the summer and during the offseason. He injured right. his hip. And, and Elijah Vera right. Tucker's good enough to where they can slide him to two different spots on the line, either guard or tackle, and he's going to be one of your better players regardless. I understand that, but he, he is a true guard. You put him next to your, 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 the guy that you drafted in the fifth pick. Don't you think that that would be and and then the center? Don't you think that whole left side would be like more? I don't want to say dominating, but be a left a, a left side that you could you could count on to run on. Uh... And then Rucker too. I mean, drafted you traded up to get him, and he rated as a, as one of the top tight end blockers. And yet your 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 identity is to run the ball, your strategy is to run the ball, and you play him two snaps. I don't get it. Well, you know I, why? I honestly don't get it. And let me tell you something else, too, Dan. I'm telling yeah. you right now. If we mm-hmm. put Sally with the truth serum, and you said, who do you have more problems with? Do you um, Wilson or Hackett? I'm telling you. I'm telling Just from his comments. You, you just listen to Sally's comments, and you hear, got to get these guys in position. Got to get them the ball. Let, have you seen anybody in motion? Anybody? Can you? I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to be one of those callers that call up and be imaginative, but you got Randall Cobb as your emergency guy, right? Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything on offense. Yeah, I mean, a little wildcat, a little throw the ball, a, a reverse, a jet thing, whatever the hell. Jet, jet, what do you call that? When they needed one yard, they gave sweep. the ball to Burials. Yeah. yeah well, you know what it is, thing. Art. I agree yeah. with you, and 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 I thank you for the phone call. And Tony Romo was even saying this on the broadcast on Sunday, and he and he knows something about playing quarterback in the league. I think we realize that. Throw on first down, you know. Throw on first down. That's your easiest down to throw on, because defense isn't necessarily ex- expecting you to throw the football. You could do that, but there's a lot of things that go into it. A lot of things. 
you know, first and foremost, starting with the game this weekend, they got to do a much better job on first and second down period. I don't care if they're throwing the ball, running the ball, whatever, because what's getting them into trouble and what's cutting these drives short more than anything else is, yes, it's their lack of success on third down. But why do you think they're having lack of success on third down? Because it's third and long almost every time out there. If you're looking at, you know, third and seven, third and eight, or sometimes third and 12, what do you think your conversion rate is going to be? You know, they're three for 24 on third down the last two games. That's unacceptable. It's got to be better, which means you got to win first down, you got to win second down. I was actually talking, speaking of the offensive line, I was talking to a member of said offensive line today. I'll keep his identity anonymous just in case he doesn't want to become famous. And I asked him that same question about, you know, continuity. I said, well, you know, that game last week, you five guys went out there for the first time this year as a group of those five. Does that take a while to kind of get in sync and to build that chemistry? Like, is it really a problem? And he said to me, no, not really. Because in the, in the offseason and training camp, they were shuttling guys in and out. They were trying different combinations. You know, because some guys rehabbing, some guys, it doesn't, you know what I mean? So they're trying different combos out. So it wasn't like that was the first time ever that those five were out on the field together. So I thought that was interesting just to hear it from one person's perspective. Because we could talk about all these different things, except we're not the ones that are actually out there on the field doing it. They are. And most players you talk to, at least most of the ones that I've talked to over the years doing this thing, they're not going to point the finger. They're not going to make excuses. You know what they say? Just got to execute better. Just got to execute better. Play is called. It's our job to go out there and execute the play like it's called. Nothing more, nothing less.